Is the Russian invasion of Ukraine the beginning of World War III? We'll explore and answer that today. Stay with us for Practical Prepping Podcast. Practical Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. Hello and welcome to Practical Prepping Podcast. This is episode number 172. We're going to be doing a bit of a current events show. We've got some questions we want to explore and we'll see what we can come up with. We're talking about the situation in Russia and Ukraine with Russia having invaded Ukraine. And we want to look at the questions of what does it mean to us as individuals? And we're talking about all of us anywhere in the world. What does this mean to us as individuals? And also, is it the beginning of the war leading to the end of the world? Our sponsor for today's show is ProLine Digital Group. ProLine Digital Group is a web hosting, web building, and internet guru group, and they will build your website, they will host your website, they have built ours, they host our website. They also build apps, and they do graphic design for logos. So if your company, your church, your group needs a website or needs an app, then check out ProLine Digital Group. You'll find them linked out of the show notes as well as on our website. Okay, first we want to look at what does the invasion of Russia into Ukraine mean to us as individuals? Well, we're going to see three things for sure. We're going to see increased fuel cost. We're going to see increased heating cost. And we're going to see increased food prices. Now, Russia is now the third largest oil exporter in the world, and the U.S. imports over 660,000 barrels of oil per day. And see, that's where I want to stop and just take a little moment to say, in the light of everything, personal opinion, I don't think our nation needs to purchase one more drop of oil from Russia until there's peace in this region. And I would agree with you. Now, that would be a sacrifice on Americans' part. I know. You know, we cut out the possibility of having another 880,000 barrels of oil per day flowing through the Keystone Pipeline, and we shut that down. And we were actually energy independent. We were. Mm -hmm. And so we could still be enjoying $2 gas or sub $2 gas. But now we are supporting, through our purchase of oil from Russia, We are supporting their war. It's that money that they're using to supply their war machine to invade Ukraine. Well, and under the circumstances, the supplies of oil are becoming more limited. That's going to result in rising gasoline prices. I think here in America, I'm seeing gasoline prices impacted upward three times a week, maybe more. It's also going to have diesel fuel going up as well. That's going to translate into higher shipping prices, even higher than we're experiencing now. And they're pretty steep right now. Companies can't absorb 
the cost of shipping their goods. Um, no. They're soon going to be into negative dollars if they're doing that. Oh, yes, I understand that. Believe me, I've been there. I've been where I had to purchase products for my store, and then I had to pay a surcharge to the delivery driver of my vendor to carry the cost of the extra price of fuel, and that was 20 years ago. Oh, yeah. And one of the things that we saw during some of the shipping crisis and, you know, the shipping issues in, with the ships coming from China and such, that's not really diminished. We're just not hearing about it now. Right. We were distracted with other stories. But one of the things, and if I'm remembering the numbers correctly, prior to the issues that were going on, it cost something like $14,000 to ship a container. And that had gone up to over 30 thousand dollars per container to be shipped from China to the United States. That's outrageous. And so that's when we began to see those shipping prices go up. We began to see those costs added to the product itself. And obviously, it had to be passed on to the consumer. Yes, we're seeing it now. I mean, even the dollar stores had to go up. Oh, yeah, the dollar and a quarter store. Mm -hmm, Exactly. And... Now it's made its way to the stores. We're paying more in the store. We're paying more online for all of the purchases that we make. And now Russia is also a large exporter of natural gas. So we're seeing some natural gas price increases. And it's not that we're buying natural gas from them, but there is more demand on the world market and Our gas is costing more because of that demand and the diminished supply. And that's going to translate into fuel oil for heating purposes going up as well. Yeah, fuel oil's going up in the Northeast. I mean, in fact, I have some kinfolks who his parents found it cheaper to close their house down in the state of New York. And they moved down during the winter. They moved to Key West, Florida. And they could close their house down, move to Key West, and it was cheaper than heating their house through the winter. Imagine that. That's amazing. We need to look for some of those things. And another is that Ukraine is a major exporter of wheat. Now, the United States does not purchase a lot of wheat from Ukraine, but other nations of the world do. So they're going to be directly impacted. Yes, and there again, that puts strain on the supply. So where we are a wheat producer, there's going to be more competition for that. And when you look at competition for worldwide supplies of wheat, supply and demand actually applies anywhere you are. With a low supply and a high demand, you're going to have prices rising. With a high supply and the demand being low, then the prices are going to fall. We have a daughter who owns a bakery. And I talked to her today, and I asked her how much her wheat product costs have risen this year. And she said it's 12%. Just since January. Since January 1. You know, in, in the bulk that she operates, that translates into many hundreds of dollars, you know, in a quarter even. Mm-hmm. that She's directly impacted with that just from buying bulk flour or any other types of wheat-sourced products. And she also made the comment that it's not just the wheat 
products that's going up. She said everything else that she purchases, food stocks and such as that, are going up Mm -hmm. and have gone up. Okay, what else do we have here? Now, let's just talk about the bottom line. Let's talk about what we need to do in light of some of this information. And before we do, let's just caution you not to go into debt for preps. That's one of the things that I've seen some folks doing on some of the forums and some of the groups is pretty much maxing out their credit cards right now trying to buy preps. Well, I think we're seeing some elevated levels of concern and fear across the board. We're going to jump into that emotional side of it a little bit later. But like you're saying, back to the preps, we do want to continue to add to our food preps and our water preps. We never really want that to go, you know, away or down. We do want to consider maybe, if we can, stocking some more fuel, more gasoline, oil products, petroleum products, can't. I've never stored diesel. Can you store diesel? You can store diesel. Okay. All right. So this would even include propane tanks. Uh, You may want to buy ahead and stock up on a few more propane tanks before those pricings go up. That is if you use propane for auxiliary heat. Of course. I mean, if if you don't use propane for any reason, there's no reason for you to buy it. Well, that's true. But we do have, we don't have anything that runs diesel, but we have six gallons of diesel fuel stored in the garage. Well, you know, I guess you're just prepping for an unknown crisis. Yeah, that there's, makes, there's something you know, there. And somebody else may need it. We can offer Storing six it. gallons of diesel is not a big problem. And actually, it didn't cost us anything, so mm-hmm. it was a great price of a prep. Well, we're going to store propane because we have heaters that use it. We have grills that use it. We have family members that may need some. So we're mm-hmm. we're trying to be cognizant of just making sure that our prep processes continue as usual no matter what is going on in the world. But we're going to stock a little bit more of the propane and gasoline, not only for the auxiliary heating, but for generators. So if you have a generator, and here really where I'm going is we have seen the gas supply, especially when the Colonial Pipeline was shut down, where there's stations that were totally out of gas. Mm -hmm. And if we get into a situation that we're having a hard time getting gas, I want enough fuel stored that we can get to any one of our children from here without having to stop for gas. Well, that's understood as well. Okay, I'm going to change gears a little bit right here. I made a a comment just a few moments ago that we're seeing some recurring themes on the forums and some of these groups that people are airing on social media that they feel like they need to bug out. They feel like the Russian invasion of Ukraine is the absolute going to cause World War III and that there's panic and fear in the streets. We're starting to see people asking questions about how much money they should take out of the bank. Will cash be any good? Will the end of society come in? It's ramping up. And people, you know how people are. Mm-hmm. They'll catch on to one person's panic and they'll add their panic. And before you know it, you got a full-blown panic going on out there. And that's exactly what I'm seeing in some of the social media groups is panic and fear. And literally, people are asking when is it going to be time to bug out? Well, my question is, where are you bugging out to? Yeah, and why? Exactly. Why? Why would we want to bug out? We're sitting in a nice warm house right here. 
And since we don't have a cabin in the middle of the woods somewhere that we can keep good and warm, why would we want to leave? Well, seriously. What would be the reason at this point? We are not under direct threat. Right. We are We are not directly involved in what's going on with Russia and Ukraine. Believe me, we're not being insensitive to what's going on. We're studying this a great deal. Now, if you live in the Ukraine or a nearby country, you may have already needed to have been gone. Well, I mean, certainly. I think that's a part of your threat assessment. Mm -hmm. You have to make a realistic threat assessment. But for those that are on the social media group saying, uh, you know, I'm I'm getting my family ready to bug out. Yeah. Where would you go and why? At this point, we don't see anything in the United States that's leading us as citizens here to believe that World War III is a definite imminent happening. Mm -hmm. I believe that, you know, I was talking with Mark earlier tonight, that in the 1980s, back even when Ronald Reagan was president, the talk of nuclear holocaust was much more vehement even than it is today. And Russia and the United States and China and nuclear powers know that they hold a very delicate balance with one another. And I think over the years we find that peace does tend to rule. I think there are, believe it or not, there are common sense people in Russia. There are common sense people in America and common sense people all around the world who genuinely do not want to see the end of this planet as we know it. Even if they're not showing it right now. Exactly. So they understand the policy that all of these nuclear countries have had for many, many, many years, and that's mutually assured destruction. Yes. Somebody starts launching missiles, everybody else is going to start launching missiles, and we're not going to be here anymore. Is it like that movie War Games? Mm-hmm. Oh, go see the movie War Games. It it kind of leads you to believe what people assume about nuclear war and what we do know about it. And in the end, it came to the conclusion, nobody wins. Now, here's another question. Someone in a social media, uh, for, well, actually more than one person, threw out the word Armageddon. Now, we as believers, we have an understanding from the Bible about what the Battle of Armageddon actually is. And I'd like for Mark to talk about that for just a moment. Well, that's the other point that we're wanting to address here. And is this the beginning of World War III or the war leading to the end of the world? Now, I'm not going to say this could not become World War III. It very possibly could, but right now it's regional. And if nobody else gets in it, even with the sanctions and such, it's a war between Ukraine and Russia. And that's what it is. Mm -hmm. It's a regional uh, conflict or a regional war. But now the final earthly battle, which you mentioned, is known as the Battle of Armageddon. A better translation is the Battle at Armageddon. And it is prophesied in Scripture. It comes after the tribulation, just before the second coming of Christ. And it's prophesied to be in the Valley of Megiddo, which is in Israel, And Megiddo, the Valley of Megiddo, is northeast of Jerusalem, close to Haifa. But now Zechariah 12 in the Old Testament also indicates that the final battle will involve Jerusalem as well. So what we're talking is a very, very large battle going on in Israel. We know it's in Israel, and we also know from the book of Revelation that all of the armies of the world are involved. 
Now, I had trouble with this until 1989, understanding how all of the armies of the world were going to be in one region. And then George H.W. Bush taught me a good understanding of this, and that is a coalition. You know, they formed an allied coalition to go into Kuwait and Iraq. For example, Japan only had 200 or 300 soldiers or military personnel in that region committed to that, and they were considered to be a part of the coalition. What I think I see in the, in the book of Revelation is a coalition of forces that are in the area fighting. If it stays where it is now, it's not going to be a world war. If it stays like it is now, it's not going to involve Israel. So it can't be the final war at the end of time. I understand that. That makes perfect sense to me. So if the war spreads to other countries and other countries go into war, I can see that's the recipe for a world war. In fact, back in the 1930s and 40s, America stayed out of World War II as long as it possibly Mm -hmm. could. We didn't get in until Pearl Harbor as far as active. Now, I'm sure there were some things behind the scenes that uh, a World War II historical expert could probably tell us that we had our finger on the pulse, as it were, but we were not actively involved in a declared war as our nation in it until December 8th. There were multiple countries involved in that. No, I'm saying, yes, since the the 30s. And the allied countries then, even before, I mean, you had France, England, you know. Italy, Germany, Poland. And they were on opposite Mm -hmm. sides of the war, and they fought against each other. Russia and America were allies in that war. They were. They actually were. Absolutely. And so that's where you get into a world war is when we have various countries coming together and joining up to fight against a common enemy. And we don't have that at this point. Now, the world, it seems to be united. Uh, Most of the world leaders and even many of Russia's own people are protesting against this world. Yes, world they leaders are. have come out against it. And so we, we've we got some situations there. Now, there's some other things that we need to be cognizant of. The Secretary of NATO, Secretary General of NATO, came out and said that cyber attacks could even invoke Article 5 of the NATO Charter. And you know what Article 5 is, that... If one country is attacked, if a NATO a country is attacked, you just attacked us all. Now, as I understand it, Ukraine is not a member of NATO. No, no but, they are not. But uh, NATO wants Ukraine to be a member of NATO. And Ukraine wants to be a member of NATO. But Russia does not want Ukraine to be a member mm-hmm. of NATO. Mm-hmm. And I can, looking at it from the Russian viewpoint, I can see that a NATO country of power bordered on your country could seem threatening. I mean, let's let's be honest. Let's just, you know, Russia's got a dog in this fight, too. Well, we would not want Russian missiles and Russian military in Canada. No. Right on our northern border. Of course, they'd rather be off of our southern border because it's much easier to cross there. But, you know, I'm thinking, too, that what we're seeing is always the case of war. The people of the nation have generally no effect over the leaders of the nation that go to war. 
So the leaders of these nations that, you know, have have threatened one another. Now Russia has now invaded Ukraine. Our heart goes out to the Russian citizens, Mm -hmm. the Ukraine citizens, the citizens of those neighboring nations that are throwing open their borders in humanitarian effort, because to date, the number is right at around 600,000, mostly women, children, and elderly have escaped Ukraine. They're keeping the men from age 18 to 60 are not permitted to leave because they're under martial law. So I just wanted to make it clear, too, that we do have a heart of sympathy for all of the citizens, the Russian citizens who are protesting against it, the Ukrainian citizens that are directly impacted. You know, lives are being lost. They are they're 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 attacking mm-hmm. and the ukrainian citizens are holding strong and and it is war but we go back to that could it become a world war and you take into account article 5 of the nato charter if one nato country is attacked with a cyber attack by russia which they have been well known to do then and we're not talking here the Russian hackers that that do the ransomware type thing. We're we're talking about shutting down power grids. We're talking about shutting down banking, financial. Then that could bring all of the rest of the NATO countries in. And you look at how easy it would be for them to pop one EMP over a Western country. Well, certainly that's a sobering thought. And then that just mobilizes. And if anybody does any type of nuclear attacks in this, and I think it probably would include tactical nuclear weapons on the battlefield that does not blow up an entire country, but you've taken it to the next level. I mean, they've already used some missiles that are banned. Well, what's the old phrase? All is fair in love and war? Yeah, I I never understood why they have rules, you know, of fairness in there. So it's not impossible that this could become World War III, but honestly, we doubt it. We really do doubt it. We want to make that message very clear, that we do not perceive that at this point in time, and we don't want to expend our energy worrying about something that isn't happening. At least at this point. Mm -hmm. And we are reasonably sure, based on Scripture, that this is not the beginning of the Battle of Armageddon. It's the wrong region. And not all the players are in place at this point in time. And the events of history have not yet unfolded Mm -hmm. that must come before that. At least as we understand that from Scripture. Right. So those statements that people are making in panic and fear of this is the war that's going to end modern society. And I saw that today in one of the, the groups that someone posted that this war will end modern society. So were they coming at this from the standpoint of, I've got to take my fire-making skills and the the last clothes I'll ever wear and run out into the forest and live? To some degree, because I, I was seeing it in other areas as well. One was saying it's the end of the world as we know it. Oh, they thought like it was complete and utter destruction of the planet. Yeah, and it says life will not return, was one of them said. And they're talking no gas, no electricity, no operating hospitals, no grocery stores, no operating governments, and no rule of law. Well, again... It's fear. It's fear being peddled, whether it is intentional or inadvertently. 
and people are feeding on fear. Well, we're here to encourage you, and we want to leave you with a very encouraging and a positive message. I was reading in the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verse 33. Jesus said these words, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. What is he saying here? Basically, he's saying, I have already said things are going to happen. You need to just be aware, you know, stay awake, understand what's happening. As believers, we are supposed to live with purpose and peace. You know, Jesus reminds us we do inhabit a fallen world. And I think there's plenty of evidence around to show that. We will endure hardships. We will have struggles. We are going to have fears. But Jesus calls us to courage and to stay focused on him for guidance. So I want to tell you that we pray for peace and we want to prep with purpose because stuff happens and we all want to stay prepared. And we'll see you next time.